Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's broadcast is called Sealed with a Kiss. In mid-April 1861, the first shots of the war between the states rang out at South Carolina's Fort Sumter. No one on either side imagined how bloody the conflict would be or how it would stretch across five Aprils. Fervent Christians stood on both sides of the turmoil, which severed friends, families, and churches, tearing at the fabric of society and visiting carnage upon a nation yet to celebrate its centennial. There is much about the conflict we can relate to today. Divided loyalties, isolation, and physical distances, not to mention the deaths of many people, and anxiety about the future. Americans back then largely found a rock of safety in their faith, which they clung to in the high and stormy gales of their lives. Here are two examples. West Point graduate Jefferson Davis was a soldier during the Mexican War before becoming a U.S. congressman from Mississippi. Under President Franklin Pierce, Davis served as U.S. Secretary of War. When push came to shove in the conflict between the Union and the Confederacy, he chose to support the latter, knowing how much his decision would cost. Just before assuming the presidency of the Confederacy, Davis wrote a poignant letter to his close friend, Franklin Pierce, informing him that their friendship was about to enter a most difficult period. Washington, D.C., January 20th, 1861. My dear friend, I have often and sadly turned my thoughts to you during the troublous times through which we have been passing, and now I come to the hard task of announcing to you that the hour is at hand which closes my connection with the United States, for the independence and union of which my father bled, and in the service of which I have sought to emulate the example he set for my guidance. Mississippi, not as a matter of choice but of necessity, has resolved to enter on the trial of secession. Those who have driven her to this alternative threaten to deprive her of the right to require that her government shall rest on the consent of the governed, to substitute foreign force for domestic support, to reduce a state to the condition from which the colony rose. In the attempt to avoid the issue which had been joined by the country, the present administration has complicated and precipitated the question. Even now, if the duty to preserve the public property was rationally regarded, the probable collision at Charleston would be avoided. Security far better than any which the federal troops can give might be obtained in consideration of the little garrison of Fort Sumter. If the disavowal of any purpose to coerce South Carolina be sincere, 
The possession of a work to command the harbor is worse than useless. When Lincoln comes in, he will have but to continue in the path of his predecessor to inaugurate a civil war. General Caleb Cushing was here last week, and when we parted it seemed like taking a last leave of a brother. I leave immediately for Mississippi and know not what may devolve upon me after my return. Civil war has only horror for me, but whatever circumstances demand shall be met as a duty, and I trust be so discharged that you will not be ashamed of our former connection or cease to be my friend. I had hoped this summer to have had an opportunity to see you and Mrs. Pierce and to have shown to you our children. Mrs. Davis was sorely disappointed when we turned southward without seeing you. I believe she wrote to Mrs. Pierce an explanation of the circumstances which prevented us from executing our cherished plan of a visit to you when we should leave West Point. Mrs. Davis joins me in kindest remembrance to Mrs. Pierce and the expression of the hope that we may yet have you both at our country home. Do me the favor to write to me often. Address Hurricane P.O. Warren County, Mississippi. May God bless you is ever the prayer of your friend, Jefferson Davis. Six months later, Sullivan Ballou, a major in the Union Army, wrote to his wife just before the first battle of Bull Run. In the letter, he writes of his undying love for her and their son, as well as his firm belief in a strong and all-knowing, all-comforting God. July 14, 1861, Camp Clark, Washington. My very dear Sarah, the indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow. Lest I should not be able to write again, I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter. I know how strongly American civilization now leans on the triumph of the government and how great a debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and sufferings of the revolution. And I am willing, perfectly willing, to lay down all my joys in this life to help maintain this government and to pay that debt. Sarah, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence could break. And yet my love of country comes over me like a strong wind and bears me unresistibly on with all these chains to the battlefield. The memories of the blissful moments I have spent with you come creeping over me, and I feel most gratified to God and to you that I have enjoyed them so long. And it is hard for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, 
we might still have lived and loved together and seen our sons grown up to honorable manhood around us. I have, I know, but few small claims upon divine providence, but something whispers to me, perhaps it is the wafted prayer of my little Edgar, that I shall return to my loved ones unharmed. If I do not, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you, and when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the pains I have caused you. How thoughtless and foolish I have oftentimes been. How gladly would I wash out with my tears every little spot upon your happiness. Sarah, do not mourn me dead. Think I am gone and wait for thee, for we shall meet again. Major Ballou died seven days later, leaving behind a legacy of faith and honorable service, not only to his loved ones, but to future generations. Thank you for joining me for Inspiration from American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.